0: Hallelujah! Praise the Lord Oh, it is so good to see you here Happy Father's Day It is amazing to celebrate you men I've had a lot of men in my office And a lot of men praying with me this morning And it's a joy for brothers, real brothers To come together and to share and to rejoice and to worship And sisters, we love you too But today is a man's day, amen? Amen, praise the Lord. Well, go ahead and high five someone as you are seated. (laughs) Hallelujah, it is good to see you. I am looking forward to all that uh, roast and barbecue. People have brought food to me today. I almost didn't come in the sanctuary. I just was going to have bro- second breakfast today. So, But uh, thank you. It is such a joy. As we celebrate our dads today, we have as a church really respect that time. And so this evening, uh, we will not have our evening service at 6 o'clock so that you can spend time with your family or spend time with the Spanish church at two o'clock this afternoon. So uh, what a day it is for all of us to rejoice in him. And I wanted to start off real quickly because of time. Uh, Some of you, again, with your roast, I don't want it burnt, because then you'll bring it into me this week burnt. But let me say this. The Lord didn't create anything without a purpose. Everything God created has a purpose, and we're going to talk about a specific purpose. But as I was writing that down and thinking about that, you know, mosquitoes come real close. No purpose, right? God created the anointing and purpose of fathers, The Holy Spirit uh, basically quite a few months ago spoke to my heart because I was praying about this service this very morning and asking the Lord, uh, there's so many different topics and ways of teaching uh, and bringing a message on Father's Day. And I said, what would you like me to talk about that Sunday? And and what I heard from the Lord was, "Uh uh-huh. So I said, uh, okay. I, so a little bit later, I repeated, and I heard again in my spirit, uh-huh. And, uh, and then it dawned on me what he was saying. He says, I have given you some very particulars in the last five times, uh, actually last eight years on speaking on Father's Day, and I want you to take all of that and put it into one message. So when we conclude at 3 o'clock this afternoon, no, I'm just kidding. Let me say this again, anointing is to bring and give honor. When we talk about anointing, uh, we'll we'll bring about truth in that, what anointing is. But it's to develop a culture of honor. And from developing a culture of honor in our lives, I spoke to the men yesterday, our barbecue was great yesterday, just a great time with all the men. But he also gives you a, a passion And so what I can literally say is that anointing brings a a desire, an overflow of honor, not only to God, but to one another. And today, we're going to honor dads. But it also, uh, Scripture tells us that he also gives us uh, a passion. And that passion, I look at as a gift, or your gifting, how you go about in your calling and your ministry in your life. Now, I, my anointing is honor and my passion is healing. I love to pray for the sick because I know the work of the cross includes healing. So let's look at your passions today. Let's look at what God is doing uh, in your lives, especially to men, ladies, Of course, this message is for you also. But your anointing and passion has been given to you by the Lord. And I am always proud as a pastor of Valley Community Church of watching your passions just flow every single time I'm with you. So what I term this message, one message, is every great father a release of your anointing. So if you would turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter five, and as you hear Ephesians five, you're saying, oh, is he gonna talk about marriage? We're gonna to touch on that, but in basic, in basic uh, emphasis is going to be on the anointing of the honor, but the gifting of a father. Fatherhood is so important. The importance of being a father and we're going to talk about what the Bible says a father is, but we also need to understand that there are, uh, when I first wrote this message, there were 18.5 million children growing up without fathers. Today it's just shy of 20 million. So that uh, devastating statistic is growing. Bottom line, I'm I'm going to encourage every male in this house giving you your importance and we're going to understand that if you're not a biological dad, you can be a spiritual dad. You can be a foster dad. You can be an adoption dad. And there's so much of mentoring that we do to the young and to the old. But Ephesians 5 is a text about marriage. We're going to begin with verse 25, let's read this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by the word, that he might present to her or present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So the singular role of a husband is to be Christ-like. We get stuck on loving your husbands or loving your wives. And we get stuck on that, and it's this guilt complex that we have a tendency to bring out in. I'm going to be speaking up to you because I look out at a congregation that is real. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to part of our congregation that's online, and I'd love to see you, but the bottom line is, is I know what God is doing at Valley, this breakthrough. And I'm seeing such amazing things happening with you, promotion, and many different things are taking place. Not that we don't have tribulation, because in this world you'll have it, But I want you to understand there's a move of God that's greater than it's ever been before. And we're experiencing it. So behind uh, this message is we need to understand that beyond your family history, beyond your personality, beyond your friends and the way they treat their wives, beyond what you see in the movies, Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved or loves the church. Husbands, men, are to be Christ-like. So this requires something of us men. It requires us to understand some things that in this understanding that God has already given you the ability and the gifts to do it. We spend so much time trying to figure out what we need to do to fix ourselves when God has absolutely given you the anointing and the gift to accomplish everything that God has called you to. What we have to do is to be Christ-like in love. Does that make sense? It's simple, isn't it? To be Christ-like and, and to love. So this requires, uh, as men, a very specific goal, not just to be a good husband, we need to go Beyond that, we need to go further than that, but be a Christ-like man or a Christ-like husband. Verse 25, again, notice it doesn't say, love your wives as Jesus loves the church. Twenty-five, Verse 25 is very specific. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves also love the church. And let me give you a secret. God never asked you and me to do anything that he hasn't already given us the ability to do it. So I want us to to, uh, wrap up all that past non-biblical teaching, wrap it up and just very uh, nicely throw it away. And begin to rise up and understand that you and I, I'm speaking to men now, ladies, this is for you too, but men, I want you to just rise up and understand God has not only anointed you, and we're going to talk about anointing, but he's also gifted you to do exactly what God asked you to do. There is no doubt in my heart because scripture tells us here that we have the ability to do it. So there's nothing of your past, your present, or even future things that can hinder you from having the ability. So let's go on with this understanding. Jesus was his common name, but Christ was his title. The word Christ means anointed one. We're talking about an anointing. Literally means this anointing, the word in the literal language means to smear with oil. Verse 25 says, love your wives as the anointed one loves the church, smeared with this anointing. Understand you have this you got this thing. This is something you have the ability, and by doing that, one of the greatest things you can do uh, added to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and and spirit, but to love your wife, that's some of the greatest things you can do for your children. So let's talk about the first thing. Anointing represents the glory of God. Today, according to James, we take a little oil on our finger, we anoint with oil, and we pray. But in the Old Testament, the priest literally would take a horn or a flask of oil and pour it on the head. And it would just flow all the way down, covering the whole body. We're gonna give you some symbolic things of that today. It represents uh, God's plan. This anointing, represents an ability to do it, and not only to do it, but here's more important, the ability to be it. God is more concerned about what you're becoming than what you're doing. Because how many of you are like me? I do a lot of mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes. But one thing I know is that I'm becoming more and more like Christ, and those mistakes become lesser and lesser. Guys, can you, men, can you agree with me in that? Is is the the reality of of where this is. But again, I want you to know that you've been anointed to do this, to be Christ-like. Psalm 133, it says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, honor. It's really what it's talking about. It is like a precious, the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. uh, Priesthood, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. That was another message. But we need to pause here and understand is this is not just something that you grow in, this anointing. This is something that you have and you have the fullness of it. But it takes, as the scripture is talking about, loving your wife. Uh, you know, with the word of God, it, it takes the word of God to solidify that in our lives. So I'm not coming against discipleship and growing and all these things that we do teach that is scriptural. But I just want to tell you that it's been poured all over you. It has covered every area. Of your body. And let me just say this to you it is a symbolic thing of covering every area of the body of Christ, which in turn is talking about your body, about your gifting, about everything that you are. And so I want to encourage men today. I know that stuff happens. I know our mouth goes before our heart sometimes, even though. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have to understand that we have this ability to accomplish everything God's given us. And we have to understand the gifting we have so we can flow in that in this world. Interesting in 1 Corinthians 11, it's talking about men and women. 1 Corinthians 11 verse seven says, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head. I don't mind Dodger hats or anything like that, but it's, we're not to cover his head. Since he is the image and glory of God, but women or woman is the glory of man. In today's society, you know, we don't like that scripture, but let me just explain to you and paraphrase this. Men reflect the character of God, they, of the God they choose. I'll say it again men reflect the character of the God they choose, and women reflect the character of the husband they choose. That's what it's saying. If a man's God is money, if a man's God is a false God, or if the man's God is Jesus Christ, men reflect the character of that God they serve. So my question is this, who are we serving and who are we listening to? But, Women are very sensitive to the character of their husbands. Amen. You're going home, driving home. She's sitting next to you. And you know you're going to make a left turn to go into the area where your house is or your apartment is. And she says, you're going to make a left turn there. Thank you, honey. I know. We're going to make a left turn there. She's very sensitive to the character of her husband. When I first got married, I thought Terry should act just like me. I did. How many of you men, when you first got married, I married a woman just like me. How many of you found out the first week, she ain't like you? Right? Praise God she's not like you. She was basically almost totally opposite. But when I realized it's not about my personality and likes, it's about God's character in me. So I changed my thinking, and I began really to desire to allow my thinking and my actions to be based upon the character of God. When I began to do that, Terry blossomed like a rose in her own gifting because what Scripture says is that she's very sensitive to me and when I begin to be Christ-like, she blossoms. That, that where, where she begins to move and to grow happens because myself as a man. Well, I thought this was Father's Day. It is. But you gotta understand that this is so important that we understand that so that when we become a father that we can really show our children how to love their spouses. Amazing, just shy of 20, of all those those kids, all those kids who don't have fathers, all those little girls that don't have that character that they can grow into. So the response I wanted, I never got by being, and I call it a macho idiot or hombre tonto. For those that understand Spanish, I don't. I just thought I'd say that. The response I never got happened when I began to be Christ-like. Now, this doesn't say she was lesser than me, She's co-equal with me. But this is the anointing that flows over men. Terry was reflecting Christ's like back to me because I was showing that out of my own life. Proverbs 17, 6 says this. Children's children are the crown of old men. I can relate. I'm an old man now. And the glory of children is their father. As we men reflect God, character to our children, they reflect it back to us. God put his image and his likeness in Adam and Eve, and the first thing he said was to be fruitful and multiply. We've brought this out to you before. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply what? the character of God, the the image of God. The first responsibility a man, a father has to his children is to be an image bearer of God to them. That's my responsibility. It's, It's not making a living. Even though I work hard to make a living for my family. It is to be an image bearer of God. And that's why my father passed away when I was young, and so, so there was, there was uh, something that was missing. And then when I understood at a young age in Scripture of spiritual fathers and mentors, then I sought after that. I had coaches who were godly, baseball coaches who were godly. I had hockey coaches that were godly. I had spiritual fathers in churches. Spiritual fathers now, I wish them happy Father's Day this morning. I am a spiritual father to many, and they've wished happy Father's Day to me. Because what we must understand, this is about a relationship with God, men. This is not about how good you are, how smart you are, what job you have. That's not your identity. Your identity is the anointing that's been poured all over you, and you are anointed of God to be Christ-like. And you have the giftings to do it. Now, this is what I'm not saying. And I need to just make this caveat. I'm not saying everything our children do wrong is our fault. That's not what Scripture says. And people get too extreme in this area when they talk about responsibility of a husband. And, and there are wives that will say that very thing. Well, if you would just do this, our kids would be better. Well, it's Christ-like. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen tells us, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but it's the rod of correction will drive it far from them. And uh, every single terminology in Scripture, the world has tried to diminish. But I want to tell you, discipline is important in the home. Not every, <clears throat> not everything a child does is the, the fault of the father or the mother. But when children <clears throat> excuse me, become as adults, it's more based on the parents than anything else in life experience. Because your kids can look back at how you responded, not only to them, but to life's situations. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old... He will not depart from it. I still remember as a child, I'm 65, I remember as a child my grandmother uh, saying things to me from Scripture. I can hear her voice and hear that Scripture. I can see her actions. I can see her praying in the back bedroom and doing those things. Because why? There was an anointing upon her as a woman, as a wife, as a grandma that flowed in her, and she was Christ-like. So our responsibility is to train. When they mature, your training will always be there, even if they rebelled. Prodigal son is a story. Even if your children rebel, even if they take away, even if they just back away from what you believe, I promise you the word of God will not return void. Be encouraged, have hope. Your children and your children's children will walk in the same anointing because that's God's plan. Amen. So let me say it this way. If you put it in them, it will come out of them one day. If you put it in them, it will come out of them one day. So right at this moment, I would like for every uh, man, young man, if you would stand with me. Ladies, you can stay seated. In Jesus' name, the balcony downstairs, I proclaim the blessing of God and revelation over your hearts and minds that the junk of the past, the junk of the past, the stuff that you saw, the stuff that you experienced, the decisions, wrong decisions you made have been put under the blood of Jesus Christ. And today you walk in the power of that blood that will help you and walk you through every situation of your life. You, men, fathers, you have the anointing and the gift to do it all. In Jesus' name, we proclaim that, amen, amen, praise the Lord. (laughs) Men, you can be seated, thank you. Let me show you the second thing anointing represents. Anointing represents the offices. Many of you are probably going to remember this because this was a very, very peculiar teaching that I did a while ago. Anointing represents the offices of the prophet, priest, and king. It's an authority created that causes you to have an authority to produce a culture of honor everywhere you're at. I didn't say the possibility. I said the authority to create and produce honor in your homes. For all you single moms, begin to understand you are not taking the place of a husband or a father, but God understands your situation. And you also have an authority to produce that very same thing in your home. And what I have found in many instances when it is a single uh, parent home or a mom home um, that there's a lot of rebellion in the children. And I have found when when a father is there but is not walking Christ-like, rebellion happens because it's the responsibility, the authority of the man to produce this culture of honor. I was teaching. We're not gonna, that's another message I had on Father's Day I didn't use, but I used it yesterday with the men. Is Mark chapter 6, it talks about how that Jesus went home where he grew up. And it said that they dishonored him and were offended by him because of all the great works that Jesus did. Here's the perfect man who knew no sin, was born without sin, who knew no sin, and he couldn't do any miracles because of their dishonor. Homes need to be bathed with honor. Men, create that, women, it needs to be agreed upon that honor is the number one thing that needs to manifest in the home. And that honor produces agreement. Which, how many of you know that God didn't create marriage for happiness? Because if he did, then everybody that ever got married would be happy. God created marriage for agreement. And where there's agreement, Jesus, watch this, Jesus is right there in the midst. And if he's in the midst, then what happens? Happiness takes place. So it takes three in a marriage. Okay, that's, that's uh, two weeks of marriage teaching. Let's go on. So anointing represents the offices of the prophet, priest, and king. All of these were fulfilled in Jesus. The perfect man, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, fulfilled all these. Jesus was the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king. So let's talk about these three, and and then I'm gonna relate it to our everyday life of how we live as men or as fathers. A prophet is responsible for accurately and faithfully delivering the word of God. A priest was the intercessor between God and man to solve problems and bring comfort and reconcile relationship. Sounds like fatherhood, doesn't it? A king was appointed by God to rule over people as his representative of the kingdom of God. God is love. So, this is how Jesus fulfilled all the roles. And then I'm going to show you, men, and we'll conclude basically with this in how you can fulfill this role in your home, your house, your life. Jesus was the incarnate Word of God. Matthew 4 4, he told us the Word is more important than eating. Praise God I'm in the Word, so I'm going to eat this afternoon. Now, Jesus even sacrificed his own life to make things right with God. Because the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his son. And his son submitted to that plan so that you and I could have eternal life but have relationship with God. Very simplistic, this plan. We make it hard. We make Christianity too hard. And I'm a simple guy, so I just grind things down to simplicity. So Jesus sits on God's right hand, interceding for us. As a priest, Jesus healed people and compassionately did miracles. So he fulfilled not only prophet. But he fulfilled the priest. As a king, he was an authority figure. He washed feet and related on a personal level with people. Now, guys, I'm not saying go home and wash your family's feet, but I'm telling it's symbolic of the reality of that what you're doing, you're serving your home to create, coming in agreement with your spouse, or if you're single coming in agreement with God's word, with Jesus, and creating that house of honor. When you you dishonor or have dishonor in your homes, in your businesses, do not expect a miracle. Now, if you have someone that doesn't come to church with you and you're married to and they dishonor a lot, There's nothing you can do with that, but the one thing you can do is make sure that you are not dishonoring because of what they're doing. And you teach by your life of honor. And and I know that sounded really strong. Don't expect a miracle. God's a great God. But see, there's a principle of the kingdom of God. There comes a time in our lives that we need to understand we just can't live on other people's spirituality. And expect the same blessing. Now let me summarize the three roles as it relates uh, to being a father. The prophet, the father, a man, father who diligently seeks to hear God's voice and know God's word for the benefit of his family. That's what you do. You're not doing it for you so you could be the kingpin, so you could be this great prophet of God and knowing the word. No, no, no. God's already anointed you and gifted you to walk in your calling. But what he's doing is there's, some, there's an important thing a father must know. This includes living a life consistent with scriptural standards and values. Now, notice, um, if I were to ask how many of you, uh, you know, can tell me that you're perfect, I'd be the perfect the one that would never raise his hand. Because we're not perfect, but we're not gonna be legalistic or dominant, just dedicated. You're dedicated to walk in the things of God and so that you know that so you can exemplify that not only to your children, but to your spouse. If I'm going to be a prophet to my family, I have to be a man of the word of God. Ephesians five twenty five through 27, let's read it again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water. That word, by the word, is the Greek word rhema, which is the spoken word. So that you have this ability, this knowledge, this this desire, discipleship, whatever you want to call it, is that you have this passion to proclaim the word of God over the situations of your life. Not a, how come no one wants to do anything I want to do? Now that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. Talking about how that will cleanse your wife. It doesn't mean that your wife was dirty. What it means is that you create an atmosphere in your home where God can move upon your wife in a greater way because that she exemplifies the, and I'm gonna use a term, Scripture does, the glory of the man. What's the glory of the man? The anointing of God. The glory of the man is in that he's got more muscles or he's taller or bigger or he's got more money. The glory of the man is the anointing of God. And you live in that honor, knowing that. Sin destroys. The word of God glorifies. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your home. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, the Word of God is foremost in your mind every day. God clearly gives a responsibility and ability to train up their children in the word to parents. Bind them on on the word, uh, bind the word on every aspect of your life. But it literally talks about your hands, your forehead, and your doorpost. So uh, the hand represents everything I do, the word, the forehead, everything I think, the word, and the doorpost, everything that comes in my house. Hmm. All three based on the word of God. So my responsibility of a father is to be a doorkeeper of my home. Developing a culture of honor where in my home, my wife and my children and my grandchildren can rise up and grow. That there would be an honor, a home of honor where when they come in my home, they are free to grow and to love and and to be honored and have fun and all the different cultural aspect of this that we have to get to that place, but it has to be of honor. The reason I do it is not for me. The reason I do it is because there's an anointing on me by God himself to be Christ-like and it produces that love and honor. And when you do that, then what you'll see is you'll see your your kids and your grandkids and your wife flourish. And it's a lifelong journey. It's not, oh, I got that, Pastor, and I'm gonna go do that tomorrow so that Tuesday everything will be perfect in my home. No, no. So not what we're saying. It's a lifelong journey. How many of you know after you knew the Word, you found out, after you knew the word, there's more words you need to know. Right? And so there's more knowledge. There's more wisdom. There's there's all these things. And I'm still learning. And now I'm at the age I'm learning from my own kids. Amen. I had someone in my office today, and, and um, I thought he was getting a little bit, not embarrassed, but uncomfortable because he was speaking something that was very, unique and very scriptural. And so I was like this, just staring at him. And it was like, did I say something wrong? You know, the way he was thinking. But no, it's because I honor people, especially that honor just rises up when people begin to speak in the Word. You know why? Because if I do this, then I talked to the men yesterday, then the receptivity will come that I will learn from them too. I'm not just their pastor or mentor or spiritual father. I can learn from my spiritual sons. I can learn from my son, my daughter, my daughter-in-law, my son-in-law. A couple of them are here today. Don't get cocky. I will learn from you. But. So let's talk about my responsibility of a father is to be that doorkeeper of the home, a A priest is a man who's uh, very sensitive and is sacrificial, meets his child's needs, and helps him or her deal with spiritual, emotional, relational, and personal issues. Now, let me just say this. There comes a time they need to grow up. Amen? I'm not talking about when they're 55 years old and they're still living in your basement and complaining they don't have a job. Ephesians five twenty eight says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Just like you take care of your body, you take care of your wife and your children. There's nothing that pleases me more of knowing a plan of my family And because I can do it of creating the atmosphere where it'll even be greater for them. It might be financial, whatever, preparing, you know, putting the heater on the pool, whatever it takes to make that honor lifestyle in the home. A lot of fun, a lot of laughter, a lot of joking around, wrestling, you name it, whatever it is, But bottom line, that's my job as a dad, as a spiritual father. Being a father is being a pastor. Hebrews 4 says, we have a sympathetic high priest in Jesus and we can come boldly with frank speech to him. So the safest person in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is merciful and slow to anger, so as a priest, a safe place should be you as a father. To listen. Jesus went through it all, and he knows what you feel. We have a friend in Jesus. I'm not talking about just be a friend of your kids. No, be a dad of your kids, and then be friendly. Fathers, we are not an exalted prophet. We are not an exalted king. But be the safe place and give counsel. Pastor your children. Let's talk about the king. A man who is the servant leader of his home, he is the initiator of decision making and problem solving, but without dominance. My way or the highway? Do what I do, not what I, you know, not what I say. Or, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So don't do what I just said, because that was confused. <laughs> do what I say, not what I do. Amen. Don't, guys, you know what? You know the, the, the power, the authority that you have in honor and the love of God? Do you know how much that will transform every area of your life when you begin to walk in it? Now, let me just tell you, we do make mistakes. And sometimes it's hard because your wife is obstinate. And she's got to work on her life. But bottom line, that doesn't give me an excuse. It doesn't. I want it to be an excuse, but it doesn't give me an excuse to be anything but what God anointed me to be. And with that, my gifting, my passion of healing has been used, and I'm gonna say this very humbly, been used around the world to bring physical, emotional, and spiritual healing in people's lives. Why is that? Because I walked in the anointing that every one of us have to be Christ-like. But my passion always moves. It's honor, because that's an anointing, and my passion is healing, restoration in people's lives. Restoration in people's homes. And guys, if we would really be honest with ourselves, that's your dreams too. But because of life, we've hidden that away because it just doesn't seem to work. And then you find the world attacking the manhood of a man. Now I'm gonna be straight with you. That is straight from the pit of hell. Straight from the pit of hell. And if there's anything lower than hell, it's from there. And so we have to get to that place of recognizing honor, of honoring what a man is and honoring what a woman is. And if there's any other confusion of that, we love people, but we honor what Scripture says. Are you with me on that? And I know in today's day it's hard to have your opinion Thoughts, but my opinion is according to the word of God. And we're afraid to, oh, you know, someone's going to get mad at me or be offended with me. I would rather live according to the word of God in love, not being rude, but in love and having the blessings of God in my life and in my home than to have people outside, you know, if they hate me for what I believe, then so be it. They hated the perfect one. Matter of fact, they killed him. Ephesians 5, 24. For the husband is the head of the wife, uh-oh, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, what are we subject to? We, co- we get married. We come in agreement to the word of God. And our, our submission is, Coming under a mission is the marriage plan you have. Who you are, how you treat each other, how you live your life, and you're co-equal. But when there comes a time of, this is how God works in kingdom reality, where there comes a time where there's a decision, big decision need to be made, you sit down, you come in agreement, but the bottom line, the last resort is this, is the scripture says, the scripture we read at the beginning is that as you look towards your husband, that glory, that oil that is poured all over, that anointing, it shines. And what it does is it shines the glory of the Lord all over us. And what happens, you can come in agreement and if there's a final decision made that he'll make that holding the hand of his spouse right there in agreement with one another and you move forward. And let me tell you what that means. It means men, then if you both come in agreement and then you make the decision to move forward and it's the wrong decision, you take, you take the responsibility. See, when you're in authority, there's a responsibility. And I know, you know, in today's day, listen, you know the first book ever written about co-equal men and women The Bible. When God created men and women, he created them equal. That's Scripture. But he knows how things work. Matter of fact, he knows how he created men and women. Okay? Let me just explain real quickly. Men and women brains. Men's brain, we think with one box. We're going to get this done. Boom. You ask a man a question, you got to ask the man the question in that one box, or he doesn't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Now, the woman, you ask the woman a question, and in her brain, she's got a thousand boxes. And after five minutes of her answering your question, you ask her again. Now, I ask you this question, would you answer it? Because she didn't answer it. Don't look at me, ladies, like that. Because you know how you are. That's what God created you. See, God created a man to know the vision of God, the anointing, the call of God, and to say, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. The enemy comes in, distraction over here. I know, let's take care of this, let's fix this. But this is the way it is. I will tell you, ladies, your husband, whether you like him or not, (laughs) has saved you from some struggle because of the way God created him. But we have been taught to hate that. Now, Don't look at me, some of you administrative women who have learned to answer the question right away, but understand that's the normalcy, the way God created us. And we have to get to a place in our life where we understand men, fathers, honor, honor. So let me close with this. I want to explain this again. When it says be subject to your husbands and everything, it means don't act without your husband. Don't act without your husband. What do you mean? I'm going to do this. Don't act without your husband. Communicate. We, the church, don't act without Jesus, and if we do, we have problems. See, you're partners with each other. God created it that way. Father's husband, be the loving initiator. Now, anybody here mind Jesus being the Lord of your life? Are you really having a hard time with that? No, I don't want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want Satan to guide me. I want him to be my father. Of course not. We're not there. I, I'm being facetious with you. But, but understand, that's the thinking. And when God says something in the word of God, men, fathers, Jesus Christ is the loving king of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm asking you to be that loving king, a servant king that sets up your home to where honor rules. Let me close with this. Ephesians 6, verse 2 through 4 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of of the Lord. <laughs> there it is. And when you understand how all this, these principles just align with real life, then what you have is you have a home that you love to go to. Let me tell you something that I, I say quite a bit uh, to a lot of people, a lot of guys that I mentor is I want you to understand is that there are times in ministry, I tell a lot of my peers, in ministry, you're going to have weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of funerals, weddings, situations, council meetings, all the different administrative things that you do. There's a stress factor. You're on call all the time, especially the smaller churches, you're on call all the time. You're working another job. You're not taking Sabbath, you're resting. And, but I want you to recognize the most important thing is serve the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Amen. And here's the second. Create a culture in your home that you can say this every time. I know I'm gonna go take care of this I know I'm sitting here weeping with another family because a child, my first funeral was a 13-year-old who was hit by a drunk driver. He was walking his mom home. That was my first funeral with a 1,000 students from the school all around. The crying, the devastation. I didn't know how to handle it. I was young in ministry. I, I did the funeral, and, and God was very tender to me and helping me do this. but It devastated me for weeks. But here it is. But I began early creating a culture in my home of honor that I could go home to. So when all, I'm going to say it, when all Hades breaks loose in life, I get to go home. I get to go to a place where there's honor and there's love. Not a perfect place. You come to my home, we ain't perfect. But I'll tell you what, we live in accordance with the perfect one. And because of that, as a dad, as a papa, as a pastor, as a spiritual father, as a mentor, and as a friend. I get to go home because I live what I just taught you to the best of my ability at this time, and I'm still growing. Can I challenge you to do the same thing? Amen. It's not about what you've done wrong or what you've done right or how much you've done this or how much or what you've said or what you haven't said. It's really about do you really realize you're anointed and gifted to do this? Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. I absolutely love you, and I'm proud of you. And men, whatever the doctor said, the diet you're supposed to be on, now you're hearing these fast words. It's a lawyer saying, I didn't say that. But whatever you, whatever is put in front of you, tear it up today. You deserve it. Happy, happy, happy. Father's Day. Remember, tonight, no service. God bless you. Have a great day.